Thank you so much, Derek, for coming on today. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's an honor and a privilege. Thank you. When did you first discover your love of music? Um, when I was very, very young. Um, to give you a little bit of history, uh, my mom and my dad were both in the music industry. My my mom was in the, was in a a group. She was a lead singer in a group in the late sixties called the Pretenders. It was an R and B group. And my dad um, was in a was in the uh, world famous Drifters. He was in the Drifters from um, the mid seventies to maybe the early nineties. So. Growing up, you know, the music, you know, was always in my house of different um, genres. So I, obviously I knew about, you know, the Motown movement. Then obviously, you know, a lot of the rock, a lot of the rock and roll stuff that was happening in the 50s and 60s. Um, the 70s, obviously, with disco coming into to play. And obviously me, me, me being born in the late 70s and just kind of growing up in the 80s, you know, basically all of that I consumed. So music was all are always, always around me all the time. So because it was always around you, that's the reason like you got into it because your family was into it and just. Well, the thing is, is that I always wanted to, it, it, they didn't, first of all, like they didn't force it upon me. As a matter of fact, my dad, Garth Soul, he was adamant about me not even getting involved in show business because he just said how tough it was you know what I mean so when I was in high school um some friends of mine we were we used to sing every morning right and we were trying to do the whole singing group thing because that was the thing in the 90s you know they had a lot of R&B groups out at that time and I always you know we we wanted to record we wanted to you know do all these things and obviously we drifted apart and I always had in the back of my head that I was going to get involved in the entertainment business somehow, some way. And it took a little while, a lot longer than I thought. But at the end of the day, it's like I would always go through these, you know, moods. Or I would just get into songwriting mode. I would get, into, I would just write songs, write songs, write songs. And it would, I would never really do anything with them. And before I, let me just backtrack a little bit. Shout out to my sister Erica because in the mid '90s, when I was when I was 14, 15 years old, she had aspirations of you know, starting her music career. And at times she would drag her little brother to the studio for whatever reason, she was just dragging to the studio. And I began, that's when I began the, edu the education of writing a song, composing a song, writing lyrics began because I, I, you know, you just don't know. You just hear songs on the radio, yada, yada, whatever. But looking at my sister's notes, peeking at her notes, how to construct a song, verse one, the hook, verse two, the hook, the bridge. I didn't know what that stuff was. So looking at, as I was watching her record and just looking at her notes, I'm like, oh, this is how you do it. So for me, that's when I, that, that's when it, to kind of catch you up now, as far as what I was saying, as far as writing songs, I was writing music all the time. I would just get into the, to, to I would get an idea and I would write it down, jot it down. And I would never, I would have a habit of not doing anything with it. And October of uh, 2014, I wrote, which ended up being my very first um, single, Selfish Pride. I was at my desk one day at work. And I think I wrote that song in a day and a half. And I had to make a deal with myself. And I said, okay, Derek, you have six months to record this record or you're never going to do music again. Go and do it. And I did. It's pretty cool. Did you? Uh, what was the first song you ever wrote? Like, 
uh, since you wrote songs a lot, was was do you remember the first one? I would say there was a there was a love song I wrote. It was a breakup song I wrote to my girlfriend when she and I had broken up. I was like maybe a junior in high school, and it was called "Why Did You Leave Me" or something like that, something crazy. And what happened is that I back in the day when artists used to put out, you know, uh, like they had a single out and I'm aging myself now, I would buy the cassette, the single cassette, but on the other side, it will be an instrumental. So I wrote that song to Faith Evans, Soon As I Get Home, which is one of my favorite songs from her. So it's a ballad. So I literally wrote my lyrics to that instrumental and I recorded, I recorded myself singing it and gave it to her. It was the goofiest thing ever. But that was just one of the first things that I ever wrote that was, you know, I was in high school at the time, you know, young, young and dumb. You don't know anything. So that was the earliest memories I could remember of writing a, writing a song. Because both your uh, parents were in the industry, did you ever, like, have doubts or, like, um, worried if, you weren't going to be successful or you couldn't fill in their shoes? Like, did you ever have those thoughts? Um, honestly, I shied away from it because my dad, because my mom was only in it for maybe a couple of years. And obviously her goal was to have a family and everything. So it was more of my dad that went on and, and lived his dream. Um, I actually shied away from it on the simple fact of, my, you know, just, I didn't want people saying, oh, you're wanting to do what your dad did. Oh, you know, you, you hear those comments and it's like, I shied away from it. But deep down in my gut, deep down in my soul, I, like I said, I always wanted to entertain. I always wanted to create. I always, that, that, that's just something, but I am a musician, you know what I mean? So I did do drum corps for 15 seasons. So that was my creative outlet, so to speak. But at the same time, it's like, I knew that once I was done with that, that the the entertainment thing was gonna have to was gonna have to take take high priority because that was something I've always wanted to do was create and entertain at the same time as best I could. What was your biggest inspiration behind every second? Make it count. Well, like I stated before, um, as far as the record itself or the video, the uh, video and the record. Well, I'll start with the record first. So. Right after I had released um, Selfish Pride, obviously it was like, what's next? So the same producer, um, Stefan Mosley, who is now in Germany, um, he and I, um, we were going back and forth. And I said, obviously the genre that I want to be in is the electronic dance you know, scene. I, I love dance music. I've always loved it since I could, earliest I could remember. And that was more or less the direction I wanted to take creatively as far as me is concerned. Um, he sent me a couple of dance tracks and um, there was one that I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. And the one that ultimately I ended up using, you know, it, he actually called it every second for whatever reason. I don't know why. <laughs> and one day I was in the city, I was in New York city. I had an audition. I had a TV show audition. I had to go on. And for me, I actually had to, you know, for where from where I live, I, I have to drive an hour to the train, then catch the train to New York City, 
and then catch the subway wherever I need. So this is just a regular thing. This is prior to pandemic, folks, for, just, for, just for the record. So um, what happened is um, I had my MacBook with me, and I remember going to the audition, doing my thing, hop back on the train, and I was like, all right, I'm going to start writing this, writing to this, this track. And I can remember getting off the train. It was about, like I said, the train ride was about a little over an hour, about 80 minutes or so. And I hopped off, I got off the train and I was singing the hook. I was singing the hook and I'm like, I think I got something here. And I really went and dissected, you know, just as far as just look, just what makes sense? What am I talking about? Why am I, what is this message? So that's what, and it was a couple of rewrites that I had to do you know, just from a lyrical perspective, because I want to make everything to line up the way, ultimately make it make sense, right? You wanted to do this, ascend, you know what I mean? So people, you're taking people on a journey is ultimately what you're doing with music. Now, switching to the music video itself, um, there's, there's a lot of stories with this music video because initially, initially, me and Bruce, and shout out to Bruce Wabbit, and uh, well, I'll talk about him in his podcast in a little bit, but he and I were thinking about doing a short film to every second, and it was going to be more or less of a remake of the movie Taken by Liam Neeson, where somebody was going to kidnap my wife and my daughter, and I got a phone call from, the, obviously, the, um, the antagonist, obviously, and saying it, well, you know, you know where I am. You know, so it's like it's one of those things. It was going to be a fight. I'm, I'm just going to be driving, you know, to this location. I get out the car, step out, leather jacket in hand, and ready to kick some ass. <laughs> and we're going to do. We're going to. We're going to have a fight scene and whole this whole deal. I get my family back. We ride off into the sunset. Then, of course, the uh, the uh, COVID nineteen pandemic happened, and because the borders were shut down. Bruce couldn't travel to the States. He was in Canada. So it was like, oh boy, what do we do? So the initial thought was, okay, I'm going to be in front of a green screen and we were going to just, I was going to sing the record, but we were going to talk about COVID because that was what was going on at the time in the world was COVID. The world was shut down. Like just seeing the streets, like New York city empty, seeing Times Square empty was scary as, as a frequent, you know, as a, you know, obviously, I go to New York all the time and seeing the street just empty was just like, this is not even like reality. You know what I mean? Um, seeing cities like Vegas, and Paris, London, Chicago, Los Angeles, just the streets, just no one there. So that was going to be kind of the theme of the um, of, of the video. But of course, in, in late May of 2020 was when the George Floyd murder happened and to say I went into depression about it was was an understatement. Like that was pretty like I was scared to even drive because I'm like, okay, what if that happens to me? You know, so me and Bruce um had a long conversation as far as what direction do we want to go in? What do we really talk about this? So we really sat down and mapped everything out. And he said, I think we're this is the direction we're gonna go in, but it's gonna be a more of a positive spin on it using the lyrics of the song to tie into let's treat each other with kindness and respect, regardless of your, your, your racial, um, your, your rate, your ethnicity, your background, regardless of um, um, economic status, your sexual identity, sexual orientation, whatever it is that you identify or whatever, you know, let's just make every second count 
and let's just just treat each other good. Let's, I mean, because we're we, we it's seven continents, obviously six continents where people live, but there's over seven point whatever billion people on planet Earth. Why can't we just be nice to each other? You know, so that ended up being the theme of the video, and that's why we ended up going with that. That's pretty cool. I, I watched the uh, music video, and it was done really uh, beautifully. So it was really nice to watch and listen to it. Appreciate it. What was your biggest motivation to continue to working on it and doing it and not giving up, or was that never even a thought? Well, there were some stop and goes with this project and um, some things I cannot talk about, but I can tell you that, you know, it was just the record itself. It was just like, it was a lot of stop and goes with it. There were some people involved and they weren't involved anymore. Then there were some people involved and they were not involved anymore. And it was just like a, a, a pull and tug like all the way. And I literally almost threw this project away. I said, I don't even want to do this. I, th- I, I think it was the beginning of, oh God, I, yeah, it was it was like late 2019. It was like around the time when we were going to, when Bruce and I were talking about the, the motif and stuff, like when the, when the pandemic happened, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to even do this at this point, because with all the baggage that was happening with others involved, yada, yada. Um, just everything, you know what I mean? And once he and I had started talking about going in another direction with the video, it began to boost my confidence a little bit as far as, okay, maybe this can work, you know, and and I'm going to, you know, do this myself. I'm going to really nice. That's when I, during the pandemic, and I'm glad that in, in hindsight, you know, I'm glad the pandemic did happen because it forced me to make some moves that I never thought I would do. I started my own record label. Just, just to distribute my own music, and thus you see here. I know, I don't know if it's, obviously this is not an, um, a video um, podcast, but obviously Lucy at Day Music, which is uh, all me, and I started that, and that's how I'm de- releasing my own music. So I did that, and I started working on merchandise and working on all sorts of things. So understanding who I am as a brand was one of those things. Is like I could do this myself. So that was the determining factor of me, um, you know, releasing the whole entire project. And once the video was ready, once we got everything together, once I got my, once I got my mixing and mastering done with as far as the, uh, the EP was concerned, and we put together a video package to, you know, to, to tell people that the pre-order was ready and everything. I was like, it's all, it's all gangbusters from here. And I was just really excited. I could just remember, clock striking midnight on on june 4th of last year when it the video went live and the um the ep went live worldwide and i just broke down i just said i can't believe like through all the 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 journey you know all the ups and downs and the 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 no's and the this and i don't this is not good enough or whatever you know i really you know we you know i went ahead and did it and that's one of my most proudest accomplishments that everything I've ever done in my life was releasing this project. What was something you learned through the process of making this video? Time management. Um, learning how to juggle a lot of different responsibilities at once. I mean, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit, but this video was filmed in my house. I had this device here, this uh, trusty iPhone 
Pro Max. I had a green screen and I had an LED light. I had a wireless speaker. I had an iPad to play the music and I had a clapboard so I can I can identify which which part of the scene, which scene I'm doing, which take I'm doing so I could so it will make easy for Bruce to edit. You know what I mean? So we were basically doing this all virtually. So I was wearing the hat of a director, assistant director, production assistant. You know what I mean? I was wearing so many hats in my own, in the confines of my own home. And I was able to just do this. And I did it over two days. So I stretched it out for two days just to make sure I got enough takes and everything. But I wanted to make sure it was done the right way. So that's, I learned a lot about time management. I learned a lot about, like I said, juggling responsibilities, but taking one thing at a time, setting small goals, small goals here. Okay, we can do this here. And next thing you know, I was done. And I was like, oh my God. And I'm literally dropboxing everything to Bruce. And then thus the video that you saw. So it was when I when I when I said in an interview recently that it was really two people that did this, it's the God's honest truth. It was only two people, and it was me and Bruce. So oh a, a huge a huge debt of gratitude to him. Um, for him um, showing me certain things from a visual perspective that I would have never been able to do without his guidance and his direction, his um, advice. And um, like I said, this is a two, this is a, I can't take all the credit. This is definitely me and him. That's crazy that you uh, recorded it in your uh, house. Uh, do you know whenever Bruce edited it, was it hard to make it look real? Because it looked like it was on the streets, like it, because you know sometimes when people use green screens, it's so obvious, and it wasn't as it wasn't obvious in that. So, like, how did you able to pull that off? Well, the, well, the New York stuff was literally shot in New York City because we were okay. actually going to do the um, yeah that part was filmed in New York City, which I, I should have my my apologies about that. The singing stuff was all done in my house, but the okay. New York City, but the New York City, <laughs> yeah, the New York City stuff was literally shot. Late at night, like I drove from from where I live, two hours to New York City, and we <laughs> shot the footage. We shot the footage literally. I don't know if you saw the time where it says eleven forty two. That was that was a re, that was the real time where we we literally got started shooting. When I walked down the subway, literally, like we walked down the subway and waiting for the train and all that stuff. That was all shot. That was done in twenty nineteen. So okay. we were. It was done at nighttime. So it was like different parts of you know, as far as how we were able to do it, but we were tying in stories because originally that wasn't supposed to have been a part of the music video. Okay. Because again, we're, we're talking about, you know, doing the, the Taken theme. Right. That, what I did was basically the oncoming, um, I guess it was supposed to have been initially the initial drop of the, um, the record. That was a, kind of the preview type thing. But we ended up making a story out of it of me watching breaking news in Times Square and the video starts. So that's how we were able to break everything down as far as doing what we could virtually because literally like we were in a pandemic, yeah. man. We couldn't do anything. That's pretty cool. Did you feel like in 2020, um, as bad of the years it was, you were able to understand yourself more and uh, more of who you are and who, who you want to be with everything going Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And as I was alluded to before, um, like I said, I would have never, 
put in the time to start my record label. I would have never put in the time to start, you know, obviously making the logo, the time to, you know, as far as, you know, starting my own online t-shirt store. Um, it was so many things I was doing as at, at during that time, during that downtime where I literally had to like, okay, what am I going to do from here on out? Well, how am I going to make this worth my time as far as work the time and, and making something of this? So, and I know a lot of creatives went through the, the same exact thing. We had to rediscover different ways to do this. Like, even for me, like I was even taking acting classes via Zoom because that, that was what my acting coach was providing at the time. And it, 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 it was probably one of the best things that could happen because I'm like, I'm not getting auditions because everything is shut down, but I want to keep my acting chops going. You know what I mean? So I was doing things of that nature. I was writing songs. I was, you know, obviously doing this, you know, filming this music video, coming up with the the, the label and all that. So it, it really helped me so much. And I learned a lot about myself that I'm capable of doing anything that I want to do. And not, and when your back's against the wall, you're going to have to just, you have to be forced to do something you thought you'd never do. And that was my mindset. So although technically, I mean, I was working, yeah, but I was also just being creative and find creative ways to do this. Have you always uh, been interested in acting? Yeah. Um, I started, my, my love for acting started when I was about four um, I saw the movie Mommy Dearest with uh, Faye Dunaway and um, even at four years old hearing a woman screaming no more wire hangers <laughs> that was the, that was like the line I used to say all the time around the house but it was like I said in my mind at that point I said I want to do that at four years old I said that and when I was in first grade I was in um the seven I was you know one of the seven dwarfs in a play on in school and I began to, I just had this imagination of like, I just want to just perform. I want to perform, want to perform. And I would always put it aside. I, there were times where I was ready to like, okay, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I would just put, just like the music thing, I would just put it aside. Like, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think in 2007, I took some headshots. A friend, a coworker of mine, her mom, um, shout out to Trudy Wilkerson. I love her to death. She um she she did pick she did my headshots for me and I was gonna get started then. I still have those pictures to this day. And I was like, nah, not yet. Time's not right. And then two years later, I can just remember going with a friend of mine to one of his gigs with his rock band. And I, you know, he always wanted to be in a rock band and he was smiling and I was when he was performing and I said, I gotta get off my 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 rear end and, and do something and I just I woke up the next day saying all right Derek you're gonna you're gonna do this and I text my best friend I said hey I'm gonna be an actor and he was like it was a question mark I was like yeah I'm gonna be an actor and he was like all right cool and <laughs> not even like and he was like where the hell is this coming from and I began researching acting schools and and, and the, you know going places here and there and January 12th of 2010, I started uh, John Robert Powers in Philadelphia. So huge shout out to uh, Mindy Sills and Amanda Lynch for um, definitely giving me my first start in, as far as opening my understanding and um, taking it from there. What Up to the music video, what was your favorite uh, acting experience? 
my favorite acting experience is for, well now as far as the music video for every second or my first my very first music video of um selfish pride or just up up to um every second like uh because you did uh you were in movies and shows right yeah, yeah, yeah. so i would say my favorite and I, oh, and I usually I like to give the Tom Brady answer because everyone used to ask him, what's, what's, what's your favorite Super Bowl? And he always says the next one. And I would that would be the general answer I would give people during interviews. Like, what's your favorite movie or, or your best thing you've ever been? I'm like, oh, the next one, whatever, whatever that might be. But 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 for all intents and purposes, uh, truthfully, I would have to say there was a show called there's two. I'll give you two answers. There was a show I did on the ID channel called The Perfect Murder. And I um, I was given creative liberty with the script. And I think to the point where I made people laugh after we yelled cut, because there were some lines in there that coincided with the story, but it was underlines of, it was, it was some comedic undertones with it in a serious manner of the fact that, you know, my character's friend, um, killed his girlfriend and I and I discovered the body in the back of uh, the back seat of the car and the thing I was like was like was she drunk that wasn't even in the script and I'm thinking of real life situations because if a friend of mine shows me somebody in the back seat I'm like oh but they had too much to drink but it made sense right yeah. so that was one and I would say the other one was um where hearts lie directed by um the great Tony Lindsay and uh Peter Iango um I was I was booked for that on the simple fact that a girl that I had met in an acting class maybe three years prior, well, before, three years before we even filmed it, we were in class together and we kept in contact. And I started my podcast because she was going to be, she wanted to promote her movie that she was doing at the time. So I brought her on my show and we were talking about her movie and everything. And she was on production for this movie, Where Hearts Lie. And then one day she sends me a text message. She's like, hey, what are you doing? And I was like, what's up? She was like, send your headshot resume in, in real to this email address now. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I just <laughs> send it. She was like, she, she, there was no questions. I'm like, okay. One of people I trust in this industry. And um, she was like, yeah, um, there's this movie called Where Hearts Lie. I think you'd be great for it. Playing prison guard, yada, yada. We'll, we'll get more information. They saw it. And I think like 20 minutes later, she's like, all right, you got the job. You, you booked it. Um, We'll, be, we'll send you the script tonight, look over it and everything. Not just the sides, but the whole script. So I'm like, okay. So I was really excited, and that was my first opportunity. That was the first red carpet I ever went to. That's pretty cool. I got. I went to a red carpet. It was on June 6, 2016, or June 7th. I can't remember. It was June 7, 2016. And I could just remember be, this is being a big deal. It was in New York City at the AMC uh, Theater on um, 42nd Street in Times Square. And I get to I get there, you know, suit and everything. I'm all dressed up, and <laughs> I, I'm on a red carpet. I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I'm just a kid from Newark, New Jersey, and I'm just like, I I would have never envisioned anything like something of this magnitude, and here I am. And so that's why I always say that's that, that's one of my favorite things I've ever done. Not more, like, not because just the, the red carpet thing or whatever, but the work that went behind it. Um, the people that I met that I'm still friends with today, shout out to Aaron Sanderson. I love you. She's one of my, my really good friends in this industry. And, um, we actually shared, we did the scene together. She was the lead actress in the movie and 
I I did I did the scene with her. So she made me better, cool. and that's one that's one of my favorite uh, projects I've ever done. That's awesome. Is music your way of communicating with the world? Yeah, it is because I think with film, you know, there's so many ways you could tell stories, but I think with music, you have free reign to express yourself and use different metaphors and use different ways to, to convey your message. And thus the video that, that, that we're talking about today. Um, I really wanted this to be a global anthem. I want this, I wanted this to truly be something where the, the world can gravitate towards, grab it and just take the message to say, yeah, this makes sense and I love it. You know, so I think that's a really good way to communicate with the world. Cause I mean, think about the most influential artists in our, in our time. You know, we could talk about the Michael Jacksons of the world. You know, we could talk about the Tupac Shakur's of the world. We talk about the Madonnas of the world. We could talk about a lot of people that have inf that have influenced, you know, pop culture, the world itself. I mean, Michael Jackson, the, 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 I mean, listen, there are times I've seen concerts of his where like people were just passing out before the, the, the scream for this man. And he was talking about so many things in his music in regards to bringing the world together. I mean, heal the world. I mean, come on, that, that doesn't get any, any better than that. He really was all about that. Madonna had a song on her um, True Blue album called Love Makes the World Go Round. And there were so many messages in that song that a lot of people miss out on sometimes. And, but, it, but, it made, but it made sense in regards to bringing the world together. It's important. Yeah. What's your uh, podcast called and what is it about? Well, I'll give an exclusive right now. After an eight-year, eight-and-a-half-year hiatus, the DLU podcast will be coming back this fall. And this is an exclusive, so this is the first time anyone's hearing about it. But um, I had, I was mainly, it was a, it was a setup similar to this. Um, I, but my thing is, I want to interview everybody. I'm not, it's not pro wrestling heavy. Granted, I'm in the pro wrestling space, but I want to have wrestlers. I want to have musicians. I want to have recording artists. I want to have social media influencers. I want to have fashion designers, models comedians, whatever it is, because it's because the end of the day, entertainment, there's so many different pieces of the pie with entertainment, right? Right. And there's a lot of people wearing multiple hats within entertainment, even athletes. Athletes are actors, right? Then you got some, then you got some musicians that are becoming athletes. J. Cole, for example, is playing basketball. You know what I mean? So heck, back in the day, Master P played for the Hornets and he played for the Toronto Raptors. So it's possible, you know? So that's what that's going to be about. Like I said, it's going to be coming this fall and um, just stay tuned. And um, as far as when the actual uh, first episode will drop, stay tuned. All right. Um, what got you into wrestling? I almost forgot that you had said you were a pro wrestler. Well, I'm not a pro. Well, I'm not a, I'm not a pro wrestler. I'm a pro wrestling um, ring announcer. Actually. Um, I started um, my first exposure to pro wrestling I was about four years old and my mom had kind of introduced me to it you know watching wrestling because she was a wrestling fan and I just became a fanatic I everything about the the, the business I love and 
my grandmother, God rest her soul, she was heavily involved. She 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 was a fan too. So if my mother wasn't ordering pay-per-views, then my grandmother was. If my grandmother wasn't ordered, then my, then my mom was. So it was, I had that support, you know, from a really loving mother and grandmother that said, you know, you know, this is Derek's thing. So I've I've watched every promotion under the sun. I don't care if it's the WWF, now WWE, um, the, the NWA, uh, the AWA, and um, WCCW from back in the day. Um, until now, we have WWE, we have AEW, we have Ring of Honor, we have um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, we have um, MLW, you know what I mean? You have Impact Wrestling. Shout out to Mickey James. I love you. Um, there's so many. To, and then I'm obviously, I'm a part of... Um, the world famous Monster Factory and the Monster Factory has been responsible for so many careers in pro wrestling from its inception till today. Um, back in the day, um, um, the, the late great pretty boy Larry Sharp and uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers started the Monster Factory in South Jersey. And then obviously Larry Sharp just took it on. And his first notable uh, student was um, the late great Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow was um was from the Monster Factory, and we can look and, and the list goes on and on and on of the of the plethora of individuals that have stepped foot in the Monster Factory and have done great things. You've heard of the Big Show, you heard of the Godfather, Seamus, D'Lo Brown, Tatanka, King Kong Bundy, uh, Virgil, Tony Atlas, the Headbangers, the late great um, Balls Mahoney, Flyboy Rocco Rock. The Pit Bulls. And then now we have in the WWE, Damian Priest, Matt Riddle. And in NXT, we have referee uh, Felix Fernandez and um, now Sloan Jacobs. That's in NXT. And in AEW, we have Dark Order num uh, member number 10. We have QT Marshall. We have Nick, Nick Comoroto. And in Impact Wrestling, we have um, Steve, um, Steve Macklin. So there's a bunch of, of so many of our of, of the factory people that's around the business now and here's a fact there's been 38 wrestlemanias 37 out of 38 wrestlemanias featured at least one monster factory graduate that is a factual fact that's pretty cool it's kind of interesting and kind of uh how you get, uh, knew you wanted to be an actor at four and you also, we're in wrestling at four. It's like a lot happened at four. <laughs> I told you the things that I'm doing now, like I said, is the, are the things that I love. It's right. not something that I woke up one day saying, "Oh, I want to be in the wrestling business." Oh, I want to be in that. No, these are things that I've always wanted to do. Acting opened the door for music. Music and acting opened the door for pro wrestling. You know what I mean? So it yeah. was a gradual thing that happened, and then. The, the music, the acting, and pro wrestling opened the doors for me to open up my t-shirt, my online t-shirt store. You know what I mean? So it's like it was a gradual thing for this to happen at the right time. I'm happy for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, do you feel like as a musical artist or uh, that you have responsibility to culture? I would say yeah. Um, there's obviously, you know, we we say that we're not role models or anything like that, but I just think that if there's an eight year old, you know, look that's on YouTube and they see my video, you know, they're gonna want to be inspired by that. 
You know what I mean? I want to make my music as friendly to everybody and all audiences as possible. Um, I can remember for my first record, because it was again, it was a breakup song, and um, it was a it, the video was it, it shared that story, it told that story rather, but there was a woman that commented on my video thanking me for helping her get through a breakup because of the fact that her her boyfriend or whatever had 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 really treated her badly and the breakup just was not it was not an um it was not an easy breakup so she said that my song helped her heal that meant the absolute world to me because that let me know there's a bigger purpose out there you know what i mean so that means people are watching you. So you have to be, you, it, it, although, you know, I don't put the, 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 the phrase, you know, role model out there. Cause I don't think, I don't feel that I'm a role model, but people are watching how you move. People are watching what you do, what you say and things of that nature. So that comes with that for sure. Do you feel like being a creative person requires that you give back or tell a particular story or not do something? Telling story. I mean, but that's what we do. We tell stories. Um, that's how you create an audience. That's how you are able to come across. You have to tell stories. And there are so many ways you can tell stories. Heck, you could tell stories without saying a word. Just using your facials, you could tell stories. You know, there's many ways you could tell stories. Obviously, you could tell stories through song. You could tell stories through film. You could tell stories through spoken word. You could tell stories. And even in pro wrestling, there is a nonverbal contact sport. You know what I mean? So there's so many ways you can tell stories. But as long as you have a foundation, a who, a what, a when, a where, a why, and how, as long as those, those questions are answered, that's how you're able to convey a, and, and tell a story. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, talk about that I didn't ask? Well, um, there is the music video that is being nominated right now for the um, LA Music Video Awards as um, for best EDM video that takes place on October 1st. So if everyone can go to my social media, you can click on the link tree. And the first link at the top is going to be the LA Music Video Awards link where you can go and actually vote. So you can vote for my music video every second, make it count for the LA Music Video Awards for best EDM video. So that's best electronic dance music video. So I'm really excited about that. And uh, people can uh, find you on uh, Linktree and Instagram? They can find me on um, Instagram and Twitter um, at the real D T Lou. That's all together at the real D T Lou. That's Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, and TikTok. You can find me on Facebook, uh, Derek T Lewis official page. So if you look up Derek T Lewis, you'll be able to find me. You'll be able to follow me there. And you'll be able to get all updates on my social media. You can go um, to my website, DerekTLewis.com. You can also go to my t-shirt store, shop.DerekTLewis.com. I have quite a few, I have a few t-shirts up there. Obviously I have a, rest, a pro wrestling theme t-shirt up there. I have a theme, I have a, t a t two t-shirts that was um, supporting Pride Month where I donated money to an LGBTQ um, organization. I also have a anti, um, I have um, a pro-choice t-shirt that's, and I'm donating all money the, from the from the proceeds of that shirt 
to Planned Parenthood. And um, there's still a breast cancer awareness t-shirt that I have up there all year round. And obviously with breast cancer um, awareness month coming up in the month of October, all proceeds from the sale of that shirt will go directly towards um, a breast cancer awareness organization of my choosing. And uh, are there any songs that you're currently writing that you'd like to make as the next uh, video or what's your next big project? To be, to be, to be announced. So stay tuned. Thank you.